0: Hey listeners, this is Chris Knudsen and this is the show for engineers who want to succeed in both work and life. If you've listened to this show before, you know from uh, all of Anthony's episodes and the ones that I've been on that we really believe that it's up to oneself to engineer success in one's career. And If you're new to the show, that's, that's what we believe. Each of us has the same number of hours in a week and our own brand of genius to bring our version of greatness into the world. That's what we try to do through this show is to help you unlock your greatness. And in today's solo episode, I'm going to discuss a subject that's maybe a little obtuse for most engineers. It's the topic of meditation, and more appropriately mindfulness meditation. I'm covering this topic because it's one that has been an absolute game changer for me with respect to focus, mental resiliency, and the ability to deal with the friction of life and most importantly, arm me with the tactics that I can use to get my mind and anxiety under control. And I'm going to hit on one book specifically, one that I recommend to anyone that's just interested about learning a little bit more about mindfulness meditation. Go out and get your hands on a copy of Search Inside Yourself by Chade Meng Tan. He's also known as the Jolly Good Fellow at Google. And he built a course at Google, which led to this book and drew on the insight in the mind of people like Daniel Goleman, who's the author of Emotional Intelligence, which is a book that I think has come up in previous episodes. It's also one that I recommend for any engineer leaders that are looking to grow their core skills and empathy and really getting along with people. And then also the work of Jon Kabat-Zinn, who is the recognized contemporary Western world expert in mindfulness meditation. You're going to hear that name come up over and over again in today's episode, specifically because of the influence that he's had. And this is a personal topic, one that Kabat-Zinn actually cautions people not to discuss with others, primarily because it's a personal journey and a personal endeavor. But if you've ever heard and never heard of mindfulness meditation, or if you have and you don't really know where to begin or had maybe a bad first attempt at it, you have to learn about it somewhere. So today's the day before we get into the main segment of the show, I want to take a moment to recognize our sponsor for the today's episode. If you're thinking about taking the F E P E or SE exam this year, I recommend that you check out PPI, the Leader in Engineering Exam Preparation. For a special 15% discount, you can use promo code COACH at ppitopass.com slash coach. That's again, PPI, the number two, pass.com slash coach. And use promo code COACH at checkout for a 15% discount on your order. All right, now I want to give you a quote related to today's topic to bring us into the show. This one comes from John Kabat-Zinn out of his book, Wherever You Go, There You Are. And he tells us that meditation is the only intentional, systematic human activity which at the bottom is about not trying to improve yourself or get anywhere else, but simply to realize where you already are. Now it's time for the main segment of our show, and for today's main segment, I'm going to cover Chade Meng Tan's book, Search Inside Yourself, as well as give you some additional insight from Jon Kabat-Zinn, the teacher, scientist, and clinician who first demonstrated the benefits of mindfulness within mainstream Western medicine, and uh, he is a major influencer of the Search Inside Yourself book, and really someone that I've studied the last couple years um, through some meditation groups that I've been working in. And for the past eight years, I've developed, refined, and fell off the wagon, got back on it, and ultimately built a mindfulness practice that I'm convinced has been the single greatest game changer in my career and my life. And I know that because my ability to focus, my ability to feel gratitude, my ability to deal with the friction of life, and really my mental resilience has benefited amazingly from developing this mindfulness practice. And what's interesting is that I was in my mid-30s before I even had heard of mindfulness meditation. I mean, I'd heard of meditation before um, and completely had it wrong as to what it is and what it can do for somebody. So this is something that I've really only taken into, into my, uh, into my uh, routines and who I am as a person in just the past few years. So the show notes for today's show are going to be found at the T-E-C-C dot com. Look for episode 67. That's the T-E-C-C dot com. And the show notes are going to contain a summary of all the key points that I discuss in today's episode, as well as links to all the resources, the websites, books mentioned during the show. Um, there's also going to be a guided meditation there for you, as well as a book note on the uh, Search Inside Yourself book, so you'll be able to go and take a look at the book note for that. So before I get into the material from Tan's book, Search Inside Yourself, I want to share another quote from Jon Kabat-Zinn, a name you're going to hear me refer to too often in this episode because, again, this guy is really the person who has brought mindfulness meditation into the mainstream in the U.S. And this quote helps us spell out in clear text what mindfulness meditation is and, more importantly, what it isn't. And so here's the quote. And again, this comes from the book, Wherever You Go, There You Are. And it goes like this. So when we speak of meditation, it is important for you to know that this is not some weird cryptic activity as our popular culture might have it. It does not involve becoming some kind of a zombie, vegetable, self-absorbed narcissist, navel gazer, space cadet, cultist, devotee, mystic, or Eastern philosopher. Meditation is simply about being yourself and knowing something about who that is. It's about coming to realize that you are on a path, whether you like it or not, namely, the path that is your life. Meditation may help us see that this path we call our life has direction, that it is always unfolding moment by moment, and that what happens now in this moment influences what happens next. So I think that really provides a good context, like I've already mentioned, of what meditation is and what it isn't. And uh, I'll include the full quote in the uh, show notes specifically so that you can go back and take a look at that, especially if you're a little little not really understanding what meditation is and, and maybe having a hard time wrapping your mind around it because again, this is something that uh, was hard for me to really understand initially. And I really got into it. Like I said, you know, I started back in probably about the 2005 timeframe. It was really kind of the first time I heard about it. And I heard about it through the work of a gentleman named Brian Johnson through his philosopher's notes and had uh, listened to a couple of his book reviews and book notes on some of the books that he had read on meditation, specifically mindfulness meditation, and then just started wanting to find out more and more about what it could do. I saw that there were, you know, athletes and business moguls and all these other people who were coming online, and, you know, now that I was starting to pay attention to this stuff saying, hey, I've got this mindfulness practice and it's doing all these great things for me, my ability to focus, my ability to be mentally resilient, you know, this mental bulletproof mentality, you know, I was just had this, these abilities to be able to do more in life. And, uh, and I started getting really more into wanting to read more about it, learn more about it. And eventually, after nearly a decade of playing around with it, it's become this indispensable part of my day and my life. So when I learned that an engineer at Google, this gentleman named Chade Ming Tan, um, who's also, again, known as a Jolly Good Fellow, had created a course on mindfulness, I thought it was pretty ecstatic. You know, I was pretty ecstatic. But here's an engineer who has made this similar type of a connection between the benefits of mindfulness and what it can do for a person an engineer in their career and so I jumped into this book and what I'm going to do is kind of go through a, a real brief synopsis of what is contained in this book and I've really got two major points that I want to hit and the first out of that book was of course the question why be mindful? So as I mentioned Meng Ming Tan is an engineer steeped in science and has this, you know, in the scientific method. And that's what he uses as he unpacks the mindfulness meditation practice and what it really truly means at the neurological level. He starts at the neurological level, goes through a lot of details about what it is and what it does to us at that level and what it can do in... we operate in the world around us. And it's with this background, this scientific background, that he undertook the task to create a course, this course called Search Inside Yourself at Google, that taught people that mindfulness practice in a way in which it can be applied to everyday life. So as I already mentioned, you know, from from Kabat-Zinn's definition, it's not navel-gazing. It's about bringing focus and clarity to your mind, observation of your thoughts, and installing a gap between every stimulus that we experience and then what our responses are. And so it's really about being attuned to other people. And Tang was able to tap into some of the greatest minds that are out there working right now in uh, in our contemporary um, psychology, contemporary neuropsychology. And another individual that he was able to, to get involved in putting together his course was Daniel Goleman, who's the author of the book Emotional Intelligence, which is another great one to read for all engineers that are looking to, to develop a better understanding of how to operate and get along with other people. And so... You know, this, this, this idea of mindfulness meditation is also about getting yourself attuned to other people, and by being observant and more present and more in tune with others, you end up contributing more to the bottom line of your organization because you're clear about what you're doing and why, and you're able to connect with other people, which I think is pretty awesome. So the other really major point that is covered in the book is this, this concept of being emotionally smart. And so emotional intelligence, again, really contributed in the mainstream today to Goldman's book. You know, this EI, as emotional intelligence is known, is a key part of mindfulness. And it's important to business is just as strong. So three things that I think really tie this this idea and this concept of emotional intelligence to business and your work and your engineering career are that it contributes to stellar work performance. And there's a lot of research that's out there right now that, that shows us that emotional intelligence is two times as important as pure intellect and expertise, which is a massive change in concept, perhaps, for most engineers, where we really rely on our technical skills our technical know-how and view that as what's going to really be able to propel us in our careers. And in fact, having this ability to be able to interact with other people, to develop connections, create relationships, um, to be able to communicate with another person is, is oftentimes much more important than really how much you know and and what your level of skills are. So I think that's an important key concept and a key takeaway for most people is that, is that, you know, spending that time and being able to develop yourself to be able to communicate and interact with other people can really be a game changer for your career, uh, your engineering career, and something to definitely think about. And again, this is, you know, this is work that can be done through mindfulness meditation, it really, again, comes down to your ability to be able to just be very present and very aware of what's going on around you. Another key element in why being emotionally smart is so important in the in the business realm is that over 80% of the qualities of effective leaders are linked to emotional intelligence. And so these are things like being able to listen, being able to perceive political activities that are going on, so being politically astute in your organization or your firm, the ability to be able to uh, focus on activities that you're involved in. These are all really, really important qualities that effective leaders have. And another one is empathy, this ability to be able to connect with other people. And I think anyone who's ever worked for a leader who was empathetic and had this ability to be able to connect with other people knew that that leader was way, way better than other individuals that they may have come across who were not quite as empathetic and as as attuned and connected with the people that they were trying to lead. And a third key point that really ties, again, this 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 concept of emotional intelligence and emotionally smart uh, individuals to business output is this ability to create the conditions for happiness. So emotional intelligence gives you the tools to apply a mindfulness practice of your observations, of your thoughts, and by doing that, when we're tied into what's going on in our mind and have this ability to be able to observe what's happening as opposed to just being on autopilot, Um, Once you start to do that, it's a lot easier to be fulfilled in what's going on in your life. And I know that that probably comes across as maybe a major stretch, but I, I can attest to this because as I developed my practice, just, you know, it wasn't like all of a sudden this massive wave that hit me, you know, one day I wasn't mindful, the next day I was mindful and all of a sudden I had this like greater ability to be fulfilled and happy in my life. But what it has done over the months that I've developed this practice and now I'm almost coming up on a year of, of daily practice is I truly can, can sense my, my greater connection to what's going on. I'm, I'm much more observant, much more aware of what's happening inside my own head and how that uh, changes my view of what's going on around me. And that ability to be able to do that is just huge. So I've been able to you know, create these conditions for happiness purely by being able to observe what's going on in my own head, um, and being able to look at the thoughts that are taking place in my brain and say, "Okay, is that a thought that's going to help me and serve me, and help and serve another, or is it there as as a thought that's not going to be helpful to anyone?" And that's another key concept that comes out of out of the mindfulness practice is that as you begin to observe your thoughts and you begin to look at the thought, you don't necessarily judge it. So you're not saying, well, that thought's good or that thought's bad, it just, it is, it's there. Our brain is a muscle, if you will, and the brain's purpose is to generate thoughts. That's all it's ever gonna do, is generate thoughts. And that's a good thing. We don't want our brains to not be generating thoughts. But these conditions for happiness and fulfillment come when we can essentially accept that our brain's gonna generate thoughts, it's gonna constantly be generating thoughts, and then we can determine whether or not that's a thought that's going to be of use and benefit or if it's not going to be in use of benefit. And if it isn't, we don't label it good or bad. We just go, yep, that's not necessarily a very helpful thought. Thank you very much, brain. Um, but I'm just going to put that one off to the side. I'm not going to do anything with it. So that's that's really huge. And this all, again, is coming under this, into this concept and under this umbrella of emotional intelligence. So I really think that emotional intelligence and mindfulness are interlinked and combined, and they allow one to be uber effective in everything they undertake. So the bottom line out of out of this book, Search Inside Yourself, is that mindfulness extends beyond just sitting on a cushion and observing your thoughts and breath. It has to, in order to be of any use in our daily lives. And for myself, you know, I've got a specific routine that I go through in the morning. When I wake up, um, I'll either do a 15-minute mindfulness meditation session before or just after I, I work out, I do my, my physical, my physical workout. I look at the meditation as my mental workout for the day. And I'll, I'll, I'll touch in a moment on, on what it truly, you know, what this whole mindfulness meditation sitting there, what it's, what it's really like, um, to kind of try to dispel some of the rumors about that. But I can tell you that this is going to be one area where it's going to boost your success immediately is in communications. Again, this act of mindfully listening to another person is an action that you're going to be able to apply today in any kind of meetings you have with clients, field visit to a job site, at home with your spouse children and if you're out with friends, I mean, success and happiness can and must be developed from your inside. Otherwise, what you have on the outside still might not be adequate. And as we're trying to develop and create these engineering careers of success and fulfillment, we've got to be very, very happy and grateful and accepting of where we are right now so that we can make better determinations and understandings about where we want to go. So I want to share a couple of quotes with you from the book or that are tied to the book. then I'm going to cover seven Key points. Essentially, just seven key points. You can break out a pencil, write these down if you want, or you can go into show notes for today's episode and pull down this this book report. And then I want to just cover a couple of things about what what the actual act of sitting on a you know cushion or sitting on a chair, or whatever it is that you, wherever you're going to sit, exactly what's kind of going, what's happening mentally and physically as you're doing this mindfulness practice. Then I've got a couple books I want to share with you, and then uh, and then we're going to go into the uh, into the final portions of the Take Action Today segment of the show. So one quote that, that's uh, useful that comes out of the book is by the author, by Ming Tang. It says, Mindfulness is a quality of mind that we all experience and enjoy from time to time, but it is something that can be greatly strengthened with practice, and once it becomes sufficiently strong, it leads directly to the attentional calmness and clarity that forms the basis of emotional intelligence. So again, this linkage between mindfulness and emotional intelligence is there. And another one that comes from from a powerhouse, Ralph Waldo Emerson, what lies behind us and what lies ahead of us are tiny matters to what lies within us. So another, this other tie back to the fact that mindfulness takes us within. And when we do that internal work, that internal work is going to be able to be reflected on the outside in the successes and the opportunities that we create for ourselves. So there were seven key takeaways that I want to share with you here. I'm going to do these in sentence format so you can break out a pencil, write these down if you want. The first one is that mindfulness is the best mental app for developing your emotional intelligence. So we're all trying to find the shortcut to become better at a skill, better at a particular knowledge area, trying to find out what's the quickest way for us to get from point A to point B. I can tell you that mindfulness isn't going to be this, again, this process that you're going to enter into it. You're going to develop this practice. It's going to it's going to take hold like this week. And then all of a sudden, like the day after that, you're going to all of a sudden have this massive increase in emotional intelligence and happiness and fulfillment. I'm here to tell you that that's not going to happen. Um, it's going to take time. But it is the best way to develop emotional intelligence that I'm aware of. And that is, again, by doing this internal work. Second key takeaway is that every emotion has a correlation in the body. And so that's a huge one. And if you really begin to start being mindful, I know that for myself, when I become anxious, I can feel this tightness in my chest. And if I become anger, I can feel, I can feel my face become warm and my hands. I can literally feel the tips of my fingertips. And these are, these are emotions that are, that are in every one of us. We all feel anxious. We all feel anger at some point. We also feel happiness and elation and love and all these other emotions. I mean, there's, there's literally tens of emotions that every human has the ability to be able to, to be able to feel and to experience and that each of these have correlations in our body and through mindfulness, we have this ability to be able to develop this connection, this feeling and understanding of what's going on. It's, it's pretty awesome. Third key takeaway is that self-confidence comes from emotional awareness and an accurate self-assessment. So I think for any person Any engineer who's looking to to develop themselves and to become more effective at feeling fulfilled and having this successful engineering career has to be able to be confident. And when we're aware of what's going on within ourselves and we have an accurate self-assessment of uh, what are our emotional states, how do we feel as far as our ability to be able to perform our technical work or to be able to perform in our you know, let's say giving a presentation to a, a public entity or whatever it is, that we have this, you know, when we're really tied into what's going on within ourselves and we have a, what we feel is a very good assessment of who we are, you know, our self confidence is going to go way up. And again, this is something that comes from, it's a fringe benefit of doing this mindfulness work of being, again, just very self aware of what's happening within yourself. Fourth key takeaway, and this one's huge because I'm going to touch on this a little bit more when we start talking about what is, you know, how do you actually begin your mindfulness meditation practice, and that is begin your meditation practice with two minutes. So Meng Tan in the book tells us that, you know, there's no sense in saying to yourself, hey, I'm going to jump into this mindfulness meditation with, you know, I'm going to jump into the deep end, and I'm going to go all out. I'm going to do 15, I'm going to do 20 minutes in the morning, and, you know, all of a sudden I'm just going to start reaping these benefits. What he, what he cautions and what he teaches in his course is, is to say, hey, just start with two minutes. Even if you're pretty confident that, you have this, that you're going to have this ability to do five minutes or ten minutes or six minutes or whatever it's going to be, just do two minutes and then come back to it the next day and do two minutes. And the reason that we start with just two minutes, or it could even be a minute, is you, you need to build the habit of actually entering into the practice first. And I know this, again, f- from personal experience, having thought that I'd jump into the deep end and start with a 10-minute or a 15-minute session, and then that lasted for about maybe two weeks or a week, you know, this time and a month that time. And you know, it's only been this last year that I've been able to, to be able to actually do this and be able to fulfill it through, you know, through continuous repetition and to be able to 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 be able to enjoy um, a practice that occurs every day for fifteen minutes. But it didn't start at fifteen minutes. It started when I really got back into this and made the determination that I was, you know, basically I had committed myself to doing this every day. I started off with five minutes. Of course, this is before I had read Meng Tan's book. Maybe it would have been two minutes, but but I, I at least I started with five minutes, and I've built that up to fifteen minutes in the morning, and now I'm in the process of building and developing my habit for uh, towards a fifteen minute session in the evening. Right now, I'm at five minutes, and I've been successful with that for about the last six months. So step number six is, or five, is don't try to avoid emotions. They're what makes us human. So all too often, we when we start feeling anger or anxious or we're really, really happy, um, it, it just seems to be maybe this cultural norm to not you know expose others to those emotions or to only expose the people who are really, really close to us to our emotions or trying to Trying to to subdue or to be able to push under the table the emotions that we have that are going on. And what we want to do as we go through this mindfulness practice is to not avoid them, to be able to accept the fact that maybe we feel fear or that we feel vulnerable or that we feel happy or that we feel love, whatever these emotions are, to not avoid those and to be able to accept them. And we can do that when we're in our own mindfulness practice, because this is a, this is something that you're doing on your own. This isn't, it's not a group or team exercise. This is a solo, solo work that you're doing. So you've got this ability to be able to be vulnerable to yourself and to be able to feel these emotions and and to be able to feel fully what they are. And eventually, as you develop your meditation practice and become much more aware of yourself, you can begin to unpack where those emotions are coming from. Pretty powerful. And, and a last key point here is that motivation grows from alignment, envisioning, and resilience. And so having, again, some experience in this myself, you know, is, is we become aligned between what we're doing on a day-to-day basis and what our goals are, what our vision is. And then we have this ability to be able to envision what our future success might look like, what the ideal may be looking like. And then this developing this, uh, this mental Kevlar that, that I'm, I'm just a strong believer comes from, from mindfulness meditation, this ability to be mentally resilient, to have uh, challenges in life tossed at you, but to be able to accept the challenge for what it is and to be able to step back and allow yourself to choose the right response. This, this alignment that comes from a visioning and from understanding where we are and where we're trying to go and being mentally resilient is just, it's a massive, for myself has become this massive generation of energy and it's pretty, pretty awesome. And again, I'm really convinced that it comes and it has come through my mindfulness meditation practice. So with that, I want to step into now just kind of maybe touching a little bit on what, you know, what are we really talking about on this whole, you know, going of meditate? What am I really doing here? And so again, if you go to the show notes for today's episode um, and you download the two page document, which is uh, that that's going to be provided there for you. It's gonna be on the front page, it's gonna run through with these uh, it's gonna it's gonna cover for you these key points and the other material that I pulled out of uh, Ming Tan's book. And then on the second page, it's going to give you mindfulness and six easy steps. So I've gone through the effort here of trying to be able to pack for you in just one page um, how to step into a mindfulness practice. So as I mentioned, uh, Ming Tan tells us, you know, man, just start with two minutes. Don't go into this for a long period of time um, when you're when you're first starting out, and that's that's okay. And that's that's really the best way to do it. The other key points that I'll bring to you on this is that you don't have to be sitting in in yoga, you know, yoga style on the floor, you know, with legs crossed and so on and so forth. You just you need to you, you do need to find a place where you can sit comfortably. And for some people, this may be in a chair, not on a, not on a cushion on the floor. It could be on a cushion on the floor if that's comfortable to you. Um, if that's part of maybe you're in yoga and you're into that kind of a you know that you have that ability to be able to do that, that could be part of your practice but for some it's sitting on a chair uh, for others to be sitting on the edge of the bed uh, wherever it is but to find a place where you can sit and that you're comfortable but that you're not necessarily leaning against something because you again you want to be purposeful and intentional in in how you're sitting and, and what you're doing but, uh, not necessarily laying down on a bed or kind of sitting in the lazy boy uh, relaxed with your legs kicked up because <laughs> that's just not that's not I mean, it's, it's intentional, but that's not where we're trying to go with this. So you're sitting on the edge of a bed, let's say, or sit on the edge of a chair. Um, the best way to to actually sit from a posture standpoint is to think of think of yourself as a majestic mountain. That's uh, something that I picked up from uh, from a Cabot Zinn's work. Um, but what that really means is that you want to sit and and think of yourself as this strong, powerful individual, and sit with dignity. That's another way that I can think of to try to pass it along, is to sit with dignity and sit with confidence. And what that means, essentially, is that you know, you're going to be sitting upright. Um, your upper body is going to be straightened, but you're not going to be stiffened. Um, and you, you know, each of our spines has these natural curvatures, so just let that be. And your head and shoulders can, can comfortably rest on top of your vertebrae. Um, and then your hands. You know, You put your hands, they can either rest on top of your legs. They could sit in your lap. You don't want to you don't want them to have too far forward because you don't want them to, you don't want to be able to hunch yourself over. Um, and again, you don't want your hands and your arms to be too stiff. And with your legs, you want to have them situated, not crossed. and you want to have your feet sitting. If you're sitting in a chair, you want your feet flat on the floor. if you're if you are sitting with your legs crossed, it could be half lotus or full lotus or neither no lotus, just your legs crossed. that that's another way to do it as well. And then some people enjoy closing their eyes as they go into it. Some people don't close their eyes; they fixate on a focal point. I know a a couple of uh, couple of colleagues that I have that that meditate use a candle, um, and that's what they use as a fixation point. But it could be anything else that you decide that you want to use. And then what you're going to do is you're going to be following your breath, and that's it. You're going to bring your attention to your breath and follow your breath in and follow your breath out. And what I will tell you is going to happen is your mind is going to go everywhere. It's going to be a crazy monkey. It's going to gonna run after thoughts about how much you don't enjoy sitting there. It's going to run through thoughts about what you could be doing. It's going to run to thoughts about what you should be doing. Your mind will go everywhere, and that's okay. Just let it do what it's going to do. Where the practice of mindfulness comes in is that you understand and accept and observe the fact that your mind is generating thoughts and going off in different directions, and then you bring it back to your breath. Because your breath is always there. It's the foundation that's always happening in your body. Your breath is life. And as you bring your attention back to your breath, you just accept the fact that your mind was distracted and it was ruminating, it was running off and fantasizing. That's ex- that's okay, don't worry about it. But that you bring back your attention and your focus to your breath and you repeat the process. And if you're doing this for two minutes and you're just starting off, then that's what's going to happen. Um, and I will tell you from personal experience that uh, even if you have a year's worth of worth of practice under your belt, you're still gonna your mind's still gonna be running around. Mine still does. But I'm also able to find that I have longer periods of time during my during my my meditation sessions where my mind is fully focused on my breath. That's it. But then it runs off and it, it thinks about having to put together the next podcast or writing an article or emails that I need to send or A phone call that I've got to make, or an event that I got to take care of for my family. So it's it, it's going to happen. That's the way it is, and uh, that's acceptable. But when you have these opportunities where you are able to focus on your breath, the first time that that happens, and you all of a sudden you realize, wow, I just, holy smokes, I just, you know, I just, wow, I was really focused on my breath. I was just really into it. It's pretty powerful. And uh, I think the real interesting piece is that some days you will have an exceptionally good meditation. Well, let me rephrase this. We want to actually actually rate them, but you're going to have mindfulness uh, sessions that you come out of going, "Wow, that was awesome," and then you're going to have other ones where you're going to walk out of it saying, "Man, that that was uh, holy smokes!" You know, where you're looking at the looking at maybe let's say if you have got a clock as a countdown clock, which I do, um, I'm going to be looking at the thing going, "Man, it's only been like two minutes," and then I keep looking at the clock and I keep looking at the clock. Um, it's just interesting because usually what I've what I've found with myself is that when that happens i've got a lot of a lot of things going on in my life and actually that practice of mindfulness at that point is is like perfect um, because it's really forcing me to realize the fact that hey you need to just take a knee drink some water get a breath and to get yourself wired back into what's going on in your life so it's a quick overview of what mindfulness is again go check out the uh, book note that's going to be attached to the show notes that gives you the uh, step by steps for how to enter into a mindfulness uh, into a mindfulness practice? Again, goals. You're really kind of shooting at like a, like two minutes to start with. Then you can build your practice. Um, it's really a, a.k.a. a habit um, you're from that. Um, and you can add more time to it. You know, like again, like I mentioned, I've got a 15 minute session going every morning, um, but it didn't happen through pure willpower. That was it. Just. I know myself, that's not how I do things. I can't force myself into a habit. Um, but it was, So it's a habit that I built up slowly over the months, over the years. And like I mentioned here, for about the last year now, I've been uh, working on this 15-minute uh, session in the morning. It's just absolutely awesome. Um, so again, go check out the book note that's attached in the show notes for today. And I'm also going to include a, a short guided meditation session uh, that you can tap into. That'll be in an MP3 format, and you can download that. So, I think you might enjoy both of those. I will tell you that the uh, guided meditation is longer than two minutes, but that's okay. Um, a lot of people, and I and myself included, benefit from a guided meditation. Oftentimes they're gonna run you know eight, ten, fifteen, twenty minutes. And but just by virtue of having this voice there helping to guide you through the process can be reassuring and beneficial. And uh, and there's some some goodness that can come from that. So as I mentioned, Ming Tan's work is really heavily influenced by John Cabot Zinn. And in fact, Cabot Zinn contributed to the the Search Inside Yourself course at Google. And because my practice is heavily influenced by Kabat-Zinn's teachings and his uh, concepts and methodologies for mindfulness, I want to share a couple of other books that you might want to tap into if you want to explore this mindfulness meditation a bit more in detail. And the first one is Mindfulness for Beginners. And again, the uh, links for all these books are going to be in the show notes. Uh, but this book is really a great breakdown of Kabat-Zinn's material. and It's a nice uh, introduction into his teachings and cons- concepts about mindfulness. So you're going to learn about the value to coming back into your bodies and your and our senses over and over again, and how our thoughts self-liberate when they're touched by awareness, and uh, moving beyond our stories into direct experience. So it's really kind of gets into his uh, you know, kind of his his deep mojo about what he really thinks about mindfulness, and and again how to unpack that for the uh, for the beginner. Another book which I uh, completed reading here probably about four months ago, but it sits. Um, I actually carry it with me. I'm in the process of moving right now, and it's it's been a book that's come with me because I tap back into it and read sections of it. Um, that book is again by by Cabot and It's called "Wherever You Go, There You Are." This book is so dog-eared from uh, from. Uh, From reading it that I didn't even bother to make a uh, one-page book summary, which I normally do after every book that I read, uh, because there really wasn't, I was overwhelmed by how I was going to take all of the great insight and wisdom out of this book and jam it into one page. I mean, there just really wasn't any way. I'm looking through it right now as I'm talking, and I've got sections that are highlighted, underlined in red ink, Dog-eared. I mean, it's just there's some amazing uh, wisdom that's in that book that goes beyond just mindfulness. It's just really kind of this way of, of approaching life. So uh, pretty awesome. A couple key takeaways: he gets into what patience what patience truly is, and then he also talks about you know the fact that if mindfulness is important to you, then every moment that we live is an opportunity to practice. And he tells us that meditation isn't romantic. As again, I've already mentioned this. It's not navel gazing or dispensing with our life, our daily routine. It's developing the skill sets that we need to have to operate consciously in the life that we have now so that we can grow where we are in order to become the ideal of what we're after. so some pretty pretty heavy uh, heavy stuff another another great book, that I'll recommend. And especially if you listen to the guided meditation that I provide here and you're like, wow, this is some good stuff. I wanna, I wanna tap into more guided meditations. This book is really a good one. I used it in a meditation group that I was in um, about a year ago and it was just a phenomenal book. We stepped through it. It's an eight week guided book that steps you through an introduction to mindfulness meditation. And it's very heavily influenced by Kevin Zinn's work as well. And what's awesome is that there's audio guided meditations. There's eight of them. One per week that come with the book. Um, I've I actually have downloaded them onto my app on my iPhone, and I and I'll tap into them periodically. And, and this is no joke. The the pace of the narrator's voice. And the fact that he's got this really awesome English accent are seriously soothing. I mean, so just listening to this guy, this guy do his uh, guided meditation is, is pretty uh, pretty relaxing in and of itself. And then another book, if you want to get into somebody who's a little bit more contemporary, is Russell Simmons. And if you don't know who Russell Simmons is, he is the the man behind Def Jam Records, and so he was a major hip hop mogul back in the uh, back in the late 80s, and 90s. Very successful monetarily. Um, He's got a couple different books that are out there that are just phenomenal. Uh, One of them is Success Through Stillness, Meditation Made Simple, which is his book and his kind of his walk through how he came to approach and, and really was introduced to mindfulness meditation and how it became this game changer in building his successful businesses and keeping him grounded while so much craziness was happening early in his career uh, because of the music industry. So um, just a really, really good book and that, where he really unpacks how it's been able to help him become the exceptional business mogul that he has become. So, so there's four good books that you can dive into for more goodness on this whole mindfulness meditation concept, and I I hope you enjoyed all this information that I provide. Um, It's a primer. If you haven't heard about it before, and if you have heard about mindfulness meditation, um, hopefully you picked up a couple of pointers here, maybe some books that you want to go check out, read through, and and use as you develop your practice. So if you you enjoyed what you heard, let Anthony and I know by sending us an email. Um, If you'd like to have more information about mindfulness meditation, let us know that. We'll work to get some professional practitioners and experts as guests in uh, some of our future episodes, who can get into the science behind meditation. You know, the neuropsychology, the, the basically, you know, about the brain functioning level, um, which is very scientific. There's a lot of science that's behind all this now. Um, so it's not just uh, Eastern philosophy, but there's a lot of Western science that's gotten into the benefits of meditation in a person's life, uh, and in their career. So we can. See if we can get some of those people to come on in future episodes or simply just to help us build our practices to take our engineering career to a whole new level. And with that, let's jump into the take action segment of the show, and I'll give you one simple action that you can take to make yourself bulletproof. Now it's time for our take action today segment of the show. I've got uh, one piece of uh, information I'm going to provide for you and I unpack this concept of making oneself bulletproof. But before I do that, I'd like to offer a word from our sponsor today, uh, PPI. Our listeners often ask us what exam prep materials or review courses they should use when preparing for the FEP or SE exam. And hands down, we recommend PPI. If you plan to take your exam soon, we have a special promo code for listeners of our podcast. You can use the code Coach for 15 percent off your order at PPI to pass.com forward slash coach. Again, that is PPI, the number two, pass.com slash coach, and use promo code COACH at checkout for a 15 percent discount on your order. PPI's mission is simple. They want to help engineers pass the FE, PE, and SE exams and advance their careers. Quality is paramount at PPI. In fact, it's the driving force behind everything they do. With best-selling exam review materials developed by PPI founder Michael Lindbergh and other experts in the industry, they've been the source and solution for passing the FE, PE, and SE exams for more than 40 years. To see how PPI can help you pass your exam, and for special offers and discounts exclusive to our podcast listeners, visit ppi to passcom coach. Again, that's PPI, the number two, pass.com slash coach. For today's Take Action Today segment, I wanna unpack this concept of making oneself bulletproof. So maybe it's natural that a military guy picks that terminology, but I think it gives the right context to what I mean, that in our life we're gonna be faced with a lot of stressors. Some are gonna be physical, others are gonna be mental. And if we aren't prepared, we're in our figurative, physical, or mental Kevlar, then we might very well take hits that we're not going to be able to recover from. So we, we don our physical Kevlar whenever we do the essentials for our health. So I'm talking about eating right, having an exercise regimen, getting out there and exercise, movement, uh, getting a really good night's sleep, um, ensuring that we're properly hydrated. Um, ensuring that we have recuperation time and that we schedule margin into our into our weekly schedule in our life, so that is just time to be versus always doing. Um, so I know you're busy. Uh, your engineering career is hectic, probably like mine. And when you add in family and all the outside pursuits, something has to give. And eventually, what's going to give is going to be you, unless you take the steps to put the Kevlar on, so that when you take these shots, the stressors that are going to come up in life, that 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 you're able to be able to work through it, and to be able to be resilient and recover. So we dot our mental Kevlar when we learn something new. We eat right, give our brain the food that it needs to be able to operate at peak proficiency, and allow our mind time to focus on non work activities, And you guessed it, when you bring mindfulness practice into your life in some fashion. So it might be through meditation, like I talked about in the main segment of today's show. Um, or it could be a gratitude exercise, which is something that Anthony has mentioned with his five-minute journaling work. Or it could be something as simple as, uh, and this really, this comes from the book uh, 10-Minute Toughness. And out of that book, there's this 15-second breathing awareness exercise, and it could be something just as simple as that, where you breathe in for six seconds, you hold it for two, and then you breathe out for seven seconds, and you repeat that four times. So over a period of a minute, you're just doing this very deep breath. And so even simple exercises like that help us to develop this mental kevlar this ability to be able to be bulletproof to the stressors that every one of us is going to face in our engineering career so that that's uh, that's your take action for today segment and i know from personal experience that without this physical and mental resilience in place that we build over months of daily practice stressors in life are going to take us out of the game and that's something none of us want to happen. We want you in the game. We want you bringing your craft, your art, your awesomeness to the world. We want you to succeed in your engineering career. So I hope you enjoyed today's episode. We'd love to hear your feedback, comments, and questions. Go to theengineeringcareercoach.com forward slash mindfulness or teccpodcast.com episode 67. We monitor all the comments and are going to respond if you leave us one. And until next time, please continue to engineer your own success.